There's a Chinese proverb that declares owning two houses is a path toward madness. That's probably true, but I wouldn't know. I've never owned two houses because, well, I've never been part of the rich and famous. Welcome to Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Let's talk about living in two places. Is it a path toward madness or serenity? I'm practical. You know that already. And I'm not rich. Well, you absolutely know that. Well, not by American standards, but I'm extremely wealthy by global standards, and you are too, likely. And I would even go as far as to tell you that I'm also extremely wealthy by my own measurements. It's not necessarily a possession thing. I'm content with my life. I'm grateful for every blessing. I'm, I tell Rhonda every week, I may tell her this multiple times in a week. I'm, I'm real thankful to have whatever problems I've got and whatever challenges I've got and whatever positive things I've got. I'm not, I'm not real anxious to trade places with anybody from my practical viewpoint. I admit that I've never quite understood folks who maintain multiple houses. I mean, even the super rich, even people that, okay, money is no object. The exceptions, I guess, are those folks who have a whole lot of money. They are tremendously wealthy and they spend a lot of time in multiple places. Okay. That, that kind of sort of makes sense to me, but if you do the math, it just doesn't make much sense to me. I remember reading about super rich people. This has been a long time ago. I tried to go back and find it, but there's so many articles and things online about this kind of stuff. But I was reading about these super rich folks who own multiple homes all over the world, not just America. This particular article, I remember mentioning how many days each owner was at a given house. These people were not identified, by the way. They were just these anonymous rich folks that had multiple houses. And as I recall, everybody that was mentioned in the article had at least three or more houses all over the world and outside of their primary residence. Most of these people in this particular article, they spent mere days at these other places. In fact, I would say at most, some of these people admitted that they had not visited some of these houses in over a year. There were a few, a few instances. I just remember thinking, I don't, I don't understand this at all. I don't care how much money you've got. They couldn't remember the last time they had visited to some of these houses. Now we're talking each and every one of these mansions, each and every one, no doubt costing hundreds of thousands of dollars annually to just maintain them. Now, given that you can rent anything from a single bedroom shanty (laughs) to a full-blown mansion, probably with staff. I just haven't figured out the economic sense 
of that kind of home ownership, but Hey, it's their money. I respect their right to do with their money, what they want to. I don't get a vote and I don't want a vote. I just would like to understand. And it could be probably is true that it could be just far more satisfying to claim ownership of all those houses. And the other thing, I guess, you know, if, if you travel in those kinds of circles, and you got houses that you can offer up to your friends and your buddies and business associates. And yeah, okay. I, I can see some benefit there that you can't really put on a spreadsheet when it comes to home ownership. But that relationship could foster you, well, in these cases, it could foster you millions of dollars just, you know, because you got a, you got a place up in the mountains somewhere in Switzerland, you know, and you can offer it to, somebody to just yeah just go stay just go go stay a month yeah that'd be kind of cool i admit it you know for me at a more common level um i'm thinking about people who have a primary house and then maybe some kind of a vacation house i I remember years ago i was just a kid and i first encountered somebody who lived up in a northern state now if you're new here you can tell by the cadence of my voice I'm not from up north. I'm I'm a southern guy. Uh, but I remember people talking about they were going to go to the cabin on a weekend. Now, you know, for a southern southern guy, I, I had visions of you know this, this nice getaway place in some remote area, maybe on a lake. Certainly, it had to be surrounded by woods. I mean, can you have a cabin that's not in the woods? Well, it turns out this particular family, they had a very small place in kind of a more touristy area. It it was by a lake. It wasn't on the water. I never saw it in person. Just, I remember pictures that showed it was this modest little, perfectly nice. It was quaint, this little two bedroom, one bath house that who knows? I mean, it was old. They had purchased this thing for well under $50,000 many, many years ago. And the annual cost was, well, it was as close to nothing as you probably could get. And they would go to this place about once a month, sometimes more. And rather, their logic was rather than plan some annual vacation, what they had decided to do, this was years earlier, they had decided to invest in a single place that they felt like they could just enjoy year after year in a place that they could go to. That made sense to me. That made sense to me umpteen years ago, and it makes sense to me still today. I know some other folks who invested in a vacation place that they were not able to visit more than twice a year. However, it was a place that they had hoped they could retire to one day. Now, as the years rolled on and this particular couple that I'm thinking of, this was a place that was up in the mountains. It was in Colorado. Well, the property value increased as it often does in places like this. And it proved that, okay, they made a smart purchase. They bought this place when they could afford it. Well, now it had escalated in price. They They couldn't have afforded to buy it by today's standards, but okay, they already had it. There was a problem. And the problem is not only did the property values go up, but the cost of living in this place went up significantly. So they found it was just going to be better to sell it. 
yeah, they made a handsome profit. Even if you calculate the years of maintenance and whatever else, but that retirement goal, the retirement goal, that was completely wrecked. They just simply could not afford to live in this place where they had purchased this house uh, for a more reasonable price back in the day. Now, in other cases, I know where property value went up, but people could still afford to cash out their primary residence and retire to what was once their vacation house. So I know personally of people where it did work out and I know others where it didn't having a second place to go, a place to get away to it appeals. I don't know. I mean, does it, who doesn't that appeal to? And I got to thinking, okay, maybe this is an American thing, but I don't think so because listen, I know some of you, some of you folks in the UK and some of you folks in Europe, cause you, some of you guys were the first that I heard from when I started this podcast over 20 years ago. And I know for a fact that some of you have got some places, some second places. And in some cases you've got places that are not even in the same country that where you reside. I also am painfully aware that we can travel here in America from state to state, much like people in Europe can travel from country to country. So, but it seems that seems cumbersome to me. Now I'm a guy in America, so I don't have a clue, you know, to own property in a different state is one thing. It seems to me that, okay, owning property in a completely different country and yet I have known of people I've even had, had an uncle that had a place down in Mexico for years would spend winters there and go back home in the summertime. So I'm not saying it can't be done, but he was also pretty well to do certainly more well to do than I've ever been. I do believe that calling it our own, that certainly feels different, but man, could it feel bad? If it's too expensive, could it feel bad if it's just too much work? You know, sometimes the things that seem awesome, they just turn out to be a big nightmare. We get things worked up in our head and we, we fantasize about it. We romanticize it and man, it's that would, that, that would be great. Wouldn't that be great? And you don't think of the downsides. I remember sometime when I was younger, some old person telling me about that whole grass is greener thing. And it's like, you know, you know what your grass is, uh, you know, where the thorns and the thistles, you, you know, where you just know where the junk is on your side of the fence and from your side of the fence, looking across the fence, well, that, that looks great and wonderful. The problem is you just don't yet know, you don't yet know where all the snags are over there. You just know that on your side of the fence. And I have found over time that certainly is true. It's true when it comes to finances. It's true when it comes to possessions. It's true when it comes to careers and jobs. It's true when it comes to relationships. It's true of most everything. There is an article. I'll put it in the show notes. Financial Samurai. I, I don't know anything about Financial Samurai. I've read a few articles over there, but I came across this article over on Financial Samurai called reasons why you should not buy a vacation vacation property. So it's worth a, yeah, just click on it and go peruse it. Uh, you will find a lot of online information like this 
and you will also find many horror stories. Now, I'm sure for some, buying a vacation house can work out magnificently. There's little doubt in my mind that it deserves sober thought. It deserves a lot of number crunching, and it deserves an awareness of what could go wrong. Certainly at my age, at this quote-unquote retirement age, I encounter, you know, Google and Apple and everybody else, they, they know so much about us. I mean, they're, come on, they are eavesdropping. You do know this, don't you? They are listening. They're watching. Big Brother is alive and well. And I just get inundated with all kinds of retiree kind of stuff. And over and over and over and over again, I see all these things that retirees, mistakes that retirees have made. And one, invariably, one of, on any list, and the list can be as short as three, it could be as many as two dozen, is this, is, is buying another property, investing in another house, buying a vacation house, buying a place that you think you're going to retire to. And then, you know, life happens and it doesn't quite work out. I am not here to tell anybody what to do. I regularly tell people, listen, I, I am not trying to live your life for you. I've got my hands full with my own. So you take care of you. I'll take care of me. And along the way, if we can help each other, then let's do that. Rather today, what I just want to do is share with you what we are doing, and then you can figure out what lessons might benefit you. And there's no question. I have a bit of an ulterior motive in making sure that people better understand kind of what's going on with us, because I have found that there's an awful lot of folks. There's a lot of people that are in my age bracket and are facing some of these things. I know because I'm hearing increasingly from folks and I pay attention to what people in my age bracket are paying attention to. So here's the question today, living in two places, is it a path toward madness or serenity? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> Depends. For some, I think it can absolutely be a path toward madness. And for others, I think it can be a path toward serenity. Notice how I worded it, though. Living in two places. And up to this point, we've just talked about owning two houses. I don't own two houses. I've never owned two houses. I said that at the intro. I've never owned two houses because I've never been part of the rich and famous. Eh, okay. You don't have to be part of the rich and famous to own two houses. It, of course, depends on the houses, depends on how big they are, how fancy they are, how expensive they are, and where they're at and all that. I get it. And whatever whatever appeals to you and whatever makes sense to you financially and otherwise, pursue it. Pursue it. I, I know people that my co-host at growgreat.com, Lisa, growgreat.com is kind of the work podcast. Uh, she is a managing director for a city that is a suburb here in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And she and her husband are outdoors people. I mean, they are, they are hunters. They are fishermen, fisherwomen. And she wanted property. They both wanted acreage that they could hunt on. These are people that for years and years have invested in deer leases. Now, that may be your thing. It's their thing. It's not my thing, but it's their thing. They wanted enough acreage that they could shoot rifles 
and not worry about inadvertently hitting somebody. They wanted acreage that could foster deer and wildlife that they could hunt, mostly deer. And they wanted also to be able to hunt by way of bow and arrow on this thing. Now, I know enough about rifles that if you're going to shoot a rifle versus a bow and arrow, okay, well, the distance that a bullet can travel from a rifle is way different than the distance that an arrow could travel. So they were looking for upwards of 100, 100 acres, give or take, preferably take, preferably just a, you know, a little bit more. And so they went looking, they went looking now, as they were terming this, this was going to be kind of their forever place. So they were looking for a place they wanted to cash out of their primary residence. They wanted to find this, and then they wanted to figure the rest of it out. And they were working very systematically and very diligently to do this. Turns out that they found a place and the place that they found was one state away north of us in Oklahoma. And so they bought the property and they had a house built. The house was just completed over the late summer. Uh, they built a, a, a really nice barn dominium, uh, perfectly sizable for just the two of them and for family that would visit, but they weren't looking, you know, they weren't looking to build some 4,000 square foot behemoth of a house. They wanted something that was that suited them, that suited their lifestyle, that suited the property. And that's what they've got. And they've got a couple of ponds that are stocked and it's, listen, it's a gorgeous piece of property, but they got a barn, got a tractor. I mean, they, they wanted all of that. I've gone on record. I think on this podcast, I'm sure I have and said, I mean, give me more than an acre or two. I'm not going to have a clue what to do with it. And if you put me on a tractor, somebody's getting hurt. It's probably going to be me. So while that suits them to a T, that would be the most ridiculous investment that a guy like me could make. It would just be colossally stupid because there's nothing about that that suits the way I'm wired or the things that interest me. So this is where I'm, I'm using this as an illustration so that you'll understand there's not one size that fits all here. You do know that this podcast and really all of life is about one thing, figuring it out. And so figure it out, put in the work and figure this out for yourself. And it may be that living in two places is just not at all what's, what's suitable for me and for my wife and for our situation, living in two places is not only suitable, it's ideal. Now I'm going to begin with the big, big, big elephant in the room. And that is the people, the people in our lives. You may not want to make your decisions based on this. I'm just sharing with you how we're thinking, how we were thinking, how we still are thinking. And we're thinking about people. So the people that surround us, the people that we want to be around, the people that are most important in our lives. Well, for us, it's family. And that family includes, including me and Rhonda, there are five adults and there are five kids, five grandkids and five adults, including me and Rhonda. So there's 10 of us in our tribe, 10. And you think, well, that's awfully exclusive. It is. There's no question. It is awfully exclusive. Does that mean nobody else is important? No, it doesn't mean that at all. 
But it does mean that outside that, people are less important. doesn't mean they're unimportant. You, you're important. You're very important. I may not have ever even met you. I may not even know your name, but I may. And if you'll introduce yourself, then I'll know. You're important. You matter. Do you matter as much as the nine people in my tribe? Well, I would hope not. And if your tribe, whether your tribe is nine or 90, I would hope that I'm certainly not as important as anybody in that tribe. I mean, how sad would that be for you and for me? So you get it. You understand that. The tribe, well, the tribe's in Texas. The tribe is in Dallas-Fort Worth. So the people matter. Now, secondarily, there's place. Now, you might think, well, there's also possessions. No, I will tell you the possessions come way, way down the list for me. It really is about these two things. It's about, it's about people and place. And it's about people and place because, well, we're talking about the difference between madness or serenity. And both people and place, I think, contribute to the madness. Both people and place contribute to the serenity. Now, I don't happen to hate Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. In fact, I've, I've learned to rather love Dallas-Fort Worth. There are a lot of things I don't love about it. I've talked about that. There are a lot of things I don't love about it. It's, it's overcrowded. It's growing increasingly more expensive. Um, there are things about it that are absolutely maddening, but you know, when you've been here this long and you're so familiar with it and there's a lot of people that you're familiar with and there's a lot of people in your life outside of your tribe. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a comfort zone there. There's also a discomfort zone for sure, because the place is, I mean, we're approaching 8 million people now. So there's that madness and serenity. People, place, people, place. So I've gone on record. I've made no bones about it. There is a place over in Arkansas, Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, that is the place that I love. The people that I love are in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, so what are you going to do with that? Well, you're going to do what we did. So I'm going to go ahead and cut to the punchline. You're going to figure out a way to live in two places. You're going to figure out a way to live in two places. You're going to figure out a way to split your time in two places. Now, who's going to get the nod? Well, the people get the nod. Come on. Who do you think I am? I'm not that self-centered. Well, I am that self-centered because we're doing it for us. And I think that's the other thing about living in two places, especially when you get to be our age, when you get to be at that magical retirement age. I was talking to somebody not that long ago, and they had, they'd been married for, I think, nine years. An older couple had been married nine years. They, he had lost his first wife. Uh, she had lost her first husband. And this was, so this was number two for both of them. Uh, but you know, they, and they were a little bit older than Rhonda and me. Their history didn't go back as far as us. Circumstances of life were different for each of them than it has been for us. Thankfully, we still have each other. Uh, they had lost their first mate and had found one another. So that part of their circumstance was very, very different than ours. And as we talked, it was apparent that has its own 
blessings, that also has its own differences from where we are. And this is why these, these are so individual. These are, these are decisions that we've just got to really get in touch with who we are, what we are and where we are. I don't mean just geographically, but where we are emotionally, where, where are we in this case, where are we romantically? So for me and Rhonda, in looking at situations like that, we have been empty nesters for well over 20 years. So yeah, we started early, but you know, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun to be some of the younger parents, if not maybe the youngest parents at school functions, and now maybe to be some of the younger grandparents at, at kids' functions and things. And so we've got we've got a lot of time already invested in figuring out this, okay, the kids are gone. Now what? We're not facing that at this we faced that back in our forties. And while I won't tell you that we got it all completely right, because I, I we're still figuring that out because life changes, work changes, relationships change, your relationship with kids, your kids and with the grandkids that changes, everything evolves. I will put a better word to it. Hopefully everything grows and improves. If we collectively and individually put in the work, everything can improve. We can grow and it's just different. I know people that, oh, they love babies man, they love babies. Oh, you know, I, so I wish they were little again. I've never experienced that. I'm just true confession. I've never, ever experienced wishing that I could go back in time. I'm rather anxious and interested in the present moment and willing to embrace that. I truly am. My son is now 43 and we've never been closer. I have no desire to turn the clock back so I can be whatever age I would be. And he could be 20 years younger. No, I, I like where we're at, but we both have put in the work to get to where we are. We've both put in the work to have the relationship that we have today, which is super, super close. And I couldn't be more proud and I couldn't be more thankful. And it's great. That was good. Glad to have experienced it. Wonderful. Terrific. But now what? And I built it into the title of today's show. Living in two places. It is, is it a path toward madness or serenity? Well, I'm hoping that life is moving not toward madness, but I hope that life is moving toward some degree of serenity. And I know that serenity and madness are both terms of, well, they are whatever you think they are. And I don't think that it's complete, utter madness any more than it's complete, utter serenity. Is my life completely serene? No, and it never will be. Yours won't either. This is the, this is the world that we live in. It's how life goes. But we're chasing these moments. We're chasing, at least we are. We are chasing a path towards serenity. We are chasing a path toward making this investment in each other as a couple. And we are doing it not to the exclusion of the rest of the tribe, which includes eight other humans plus us. That's a total of 10, but we are doing it, including these other eight humans full well, knowing that we are 
continuing to kind of slide down the totem pole, if you please, when it comes to priorities. We are not the priority for the grandkids, for instance, that we may have been when they were smaller, when they were little. That's how life goes. There's no resentment. There's no bitterness about that. It's the way life ought to be. So Rhonda and I get married back in the late 70s. And now I've got this human in my life. I've got this woman in my life, and she is the most important human to me. wasn't always that way. There was a time when mom and dad were the most important people to me. But as I grew up and as I grew older and as I matured and as I fell in love and as I found my mate, she became my priority. That's just the evolution of life and relationships. So now as an old man... The tribe matters. The tribe matters a lot. They matter. I could argue that at times they may matter to me more than I matter to them. And I'm good with that. I'm perfectly good with that. But I'm also self-aware. And I'm also wanting to be always a better husband and not just a better father and a better grandfather, because it all stems from being a good husband for me. That this woman, this woman that I married back in the seventies, this is the person that I need to be making these, this investment in. This is the person who can help me the most. This is the person whom I can help the most to the exclusion of others. No, but all of that is a, is just a, a big mammoth way of saying living in two places for us is absolutely a path towards serenity. It is absolutely not a path toward madness, but what would be maddening would be owning two houses, which I don't owning a house in Texas, owning a house in Arkansas would not be ideal. That would be for me, that would be a path toward madness. So I don't now there's economic reasons for this. I don't own a house any longer in Texas because Texas has criminally high property taxes. It is financially impractical to own a house in Texas and own a house somewhere else. So I don't, I am a Texas resident. I don't plan on that ever changing. I'm going to spend the majority of my time in Texas, but I'm going to spend the rest of my time in Arkansas where I do own a house and where most of the possessions are, you know, probably 90% of them are the rest is in Texas and it's perfectly doable and it's perfectly fine. And it works for us. It works. I know many other people that are doing the same thing. In fact, I know people in hot Springs village who are doing the same thing. I know people in hot Springs village who split their time between Arkansas and Florida. They don't own property in Florida, but they own it in Arkansas. I know other people who they love North Carolina. They do not own property there but they own a house in hot springs village. I know people who live in Northern climates and do the exact same thing. So this happens to be a place where we have moved to, if you please, where we have purchased a home where if that's, that's more common than it may be in some other places. Number one, the demographics are probably a little bit more in line with our age group or older. And so people have the financial capacity to own a house there in Arkansas. Some own houses elsewhere too, uh, but many of us don't. Many of us 
we rent, we have other accommodations. We have other living situations in these other places. And then we split our time, you know, fairly evenly with a nod toward wherever our primary, you know, residency is. And that's just for tax purposes. That's all that is. Now, for me, it's more than tax purposes. It's first and foremost, it's family. Secondarily, it's where my company is. I'm a solopreneur, so it's not like it's a big company. It's where the clients are. Uh, It's where my wife's remote part-time work will continue to be. And so there's a lot of ties for us in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and in Texas. And that's not going to change in the foreseeable future. I mean, never say never. I don't know. But for now and for the foreseeable future, that's how it works for us. Serenity is different. So that's worth some conversation here. Serenity is different. Here's two places that could not be different. They just couldn't be more different. You've got a place that is nearly 8 million people sprawling, lots of traffic, fast, fast pace versus a place in central Arkansas that's got about 16,000 folks who live in 26,000 acres. So there's no congestion. And if you get behind somebody in traffic, they're not in a hurry (laughs) and you're not going to make them be in a hurry. I mean, it's joke. The joke is uh, there's Arkansas time. Well, let me tell you, Arkansas time and DFW time, they ain't the same time. They are not even close to being the same time. It's kind of funny. Uh, we get back into town coming from our house in Arkansas. And you know when you're getting close to DFW. I mean, the traffic just amps up. It's just everything. And and you're just, you know, you just all of a sudden you you find that you're in a NASCAR race. And frankly, you were in a NASCAR race all along. You just were in a different kind of a NASCAR. And now you're in a really congested, really high-intensity NASCAR race. I mean, now it's Talladega, man. It's 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 four lanes across, and you're all just – you're drafting, you're dodging and weaving, and you're doing your thing. And, and you're, just, you're just driving like a maniac. But if you don't drive like a maniac, you're going to get run over. You're, you're going to get hurt, maybe worse. And it's just not that way. And there's just this amped up, high stress. Now, part of me loves it. I'm not going to lie to you. Part of me loves it. But boy, an awful, uh, an awful bigger part of me these days at this age, dislike it very, very much. You pull into Hot Springs Village, which is a gated community. Don't think exclusive hoity-toity. Gated in that. You've got to have a reason to be in there. Otherwise, you got to go through a, a, a gate. And that's safe and it's secure and it's great and it's all that. But you pull in the gates and you're just like, ah, yeah, yeah, home. This, this, it's that kind of a serenity. The serenity here doesn't come from being in a NASCAR race and feeling like every day is, you know, you're on Talladega. Now, the serenity here is knowing that your family is just miles down the road 
I mean, right now, as I record it, the kids are in school, but they're just miles down the road. And in a day or so, I'm going to see them. I don't see them every day. I don't need to see them every day, but there's just something about knowing that they're there. I'm here and I'm a text away. I'm a phone call away. Somebody needs me. I can be there. It's all good. And I'm involved in their life to whatever degree they want me involved in their life. I'm not the imposing kind of, of a parent or grandparent, but I'm available. And there's, there's something very serene about that for me. I think for both of us, there's for me and Rhonda, there's just something serene. That's a different kind of serenity. I don't get that serenity in Arkansas because they're not there. Now they're five hours away. Now that's not horrible. I know people and they live on one coast and parents, grandparents live on the other coast. And it's, it's one of those once a year, twice a year. See, I couldn't, that wouldn't work for me. If that works for you, I salute you. I don't criticize you. I'm not judging you, but that is not at all where we are. It's just not. I've never lived that way. I don't really want to live that way. Got no desire to live that way. The family doesn't seem to have that desire. And I mean, if they did, I might. Yeah, if they did, I, I, I would probably figure out a way to embrace that. But we're kind of a tribe, you know, we're a tribe and I'm not trying to be the only exclusive tribe for these people. That's just our tribe. They are our tribe. I'm part of their tribe. And their tribes are broader because, well, they've got other families. I don't mean that. We're not the only grandparents, for instance, nor do I want to be. I mean, kids, come on. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for kids, you know, to have these older folks in their lives. So I'm not at all trying to help hold the exclusive patent on being the sole old people for the grandkids or anybody else for that matter. But the serenity, the source of serenity or the source of madness, I think is really important. And for us living in two places, because it answers the question to both of our challenges, and that is people and place, people and place. Now, I I worded it living in two places, but the reason the places matter is in one is because of the people. The people here in Dallas-Fort Worth trump the place. I'm perfectly I'm perfectly okay with Dallas-Fort Worth. There's a lot going for it and a lot of positives. There's a lot of negatives, but there's a lot of positives, and I'm high on it. I mean, I hate the cost of living has just absolutely gone bananas, but it's gone bananas in a lot of places, so it ain't that ain't just a Dallas-Fort Worth thing. But for us, living in two places answers really answers the question or the challenge of people and place, and it also answers the challenge of is it madness or serenity? So when the madness gets too crazy in the place, Dallas-Fort Worth, off to Arkansas we go. When the serenity of Arkansas, the place, begins to wane a little bit because, well, the absence of the people, it's back to Texas we come. I had a friend years ago and mom and dad kind of cash out. They moved to some island somewhere, you know, some tropical paradise, completely removed from the family and the kids. And 
I remember, I remember the son saying, like, who does this? And I said, well, I, your folks, uh-huh. your folks were starters. I mean, I don't know. Uh, this was many years ago and we were both younger and I, I could not imagine being at their age, which is now where I'm at and making a decision like that. But I also know that families are different. Dynamics are different. Relationships are different. And again, I don't judge it. All I know is my situation. And I guess my big takeaway that I would have you try to get from today's episode would be make application as best you can to your circumstance and your situation. Not with a resignation, though, that, well, this is just the circumstance. This is a, if you don't like the situation, improve it. Put in the work to find a path toward fill in the blank. If serenity is not the right word for you, then find a word that is. I can tell you this. It ain't going to be madness. Please don't make it madness, but make it something. If it's not serenity, make it something else and work like crazy to do your part. And when it comes to other people, especially family, just know this. We cannot make their decisions for them. And you could spend the rest of your life judging them harshly because they don't do what you want them to do. Or you can say, how can I just be the best me in their life for them? Whatever that standard is for them, let me be that for them it's a conscious choice i freely admit it's a choice that Rhonda and i made many many years ago we in fact we made that before kids got married and grandkids ever showed up that the terms of our relationship would be on their terms at some point it's going to be on your terms when you're living in our house it's on our terms and that's kind of how life has gone Thank you for clicking play. LeaningTowardWisdom.com. That's the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Appreciate you hanging in here even after the music ended. Would you like to help me reach my $1,000 goal? Let me tell you what I'm saving for. Now, I'm not real sure about the camera yet. Because of this place over in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, and because it is such a spectacular place, I'm going to start, well, I'm calling it vlogging, but that really isn't the case. I'm going to start podcasting with more video. 
the scenery will make a great backdrop. I plan on doing more video. Yes, the podcast will always be audio and it will always be audio first, but there's some pretty gorgeous places over there. And I would love to show these places off. I'd like for you to experience it. So if you go to the website, leaning toward in fact, you can go to today's episode living in two places, just find it. And at the bottom of the post will be all the details on how you can do this. I'm trying to raise money by way of Sweetwater gift certificates. Sweetwater sound is kind of the supplier of choice. I'm not real sure what camera I want to do. I'm positive that I want the Rode wireless pro. It's a two person compact digital wireless microphone system. That is also a recorder has built in recording capability. It's like 400 bucks, but I, I, then I want a small, I think I want a small little action camera, something really small, something inconspicuous, something that's not difficult to set up. I'm not looking to become some professional videographer. That's not the goal. The goal is just to capture the beauty of some of this place and to share that with you. Uh, GoPro just came out with a hero 12. Uh, that's on the. That's on the list, but there's a number of other cameras like that. I figured that for about a thousand dollars, I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit more, but those of you that share to contribute, if you are so disposed, then you can go to the website and you can figure out how that you can gift me any amount that you care to Sweetwater gift certificate. Some of you have been, well, you've, many of you have been very generous. I I'm not, I'm not keeping score with. Who's given what as far as, okay, well, they only gave me 20 bucks. Uh, listen, $20 is a big deal. $10 is a big deal. So any amount that you care to contribute to the effort, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now go out and make it a great day. See you.